you can be totally busy. You can juggle enough, like a lot of things. Humans are really resilient, but you need to make sure that you do have switch off time. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by an award-winning journalist and editor. She was one of the very first journalists to embrace the recent media shift towards digital and online content. Her job involves attending fitness retreats and boot camps, interviewing health gurus, and testing out the latest fitness tech. She is a marathon runner, a Lululemon brand ambassador, and the host of popular running podcast, Well Far. Welcome to the studio, Amy Lane. Oh, what an introduction. And saying Amy Lane, I'm like, that's your new name. <laughs> I know, I keep forgetting. I mean, I, what am I, I think I'm six weeks in to yeah, marriage now. Newlywed. I mean, I should actually know that, shouldn't I? But, <laughs> but yeah, and everyone's like, what's your, what's your name? And I'm like, Amy uh, Lane, yeah. Yeah, your new name, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks very much. So let's do this. I think, well, we first met about five years ago. I'm not sure if you remember exactly when, but you sent me an email about a piece that you were doing online at Women's Health with Sabrina Kidd at Aveda. And it was a hair piece. It was all about, I, I think it was all about, you know, um, hairstyles and styling your hair for workouts and if yeah. I remember obviously taming my afro hair into different styles for workouts one of which was swimming and <laughs> we managed to get my hair in a swimming cap <laughs> do you I do remember and you were so great because actually there's not many women that would come along and we'd be like actually can I just film you having your hair shoved into a swimming hat yep and now you're just sat there in a swimming hat in a hair salon <laughs> and you were all up for it I was definitely up for it I was like sure whatever um, and I guess over the last few years since then we have worked together on well lots of different projects I think the last one was when we went to Manchester for Women's Health Run Club yes yeah which was great it was cold but it was good um, so for anyone listening who might not know much about you and what you do can you give us some insight so yeah what exactly you do and how you got started sure so um it's, people often ask me, actually, what does the digital editor of Women's Health do? Because I think when you are a print editor, people get it because there's a physical magazine every month so they can see the kind of like the product of your work. Um, and so when it's like digital editor, what do you actually do? Basically, it means that I edit everything from the social media to the website to um newsletter and I help edit events alongside Claire Sanderson the editor-in-chief of the magazine and so together we kind of create the women's health content um I started off about oh my god this is going to show my age now 11 years ago in media mm -hmm. and it was really funny because I got a job online because nobody wanted to work online really? so yeah they didn't know what was coming they did not know what was coming and so um everyone was like I want to work on a magazine and but I'd just finished my um 
degree at London College of Fashion. And I actually wrote my dissertation on Facebook and how to use Facebook to create competitive advantage in the women's wear market. So I did a fashion degree. And at the time, my lecturers were like, this girl's a bit mad. Like, why does she want to write that? But they, they let me do it. And so I wrote my dissertation on that and I came out and I was like, right, I knew that I didn't want to work in print. I knew I wanted to work on a website. And so I started working for an American company um, and I got a job there because I was, I started as an intern to help with Fashion Week and I was meant to be there for four days. And then they asked me to stay on for the following week and then they asked me to stay on again. And it just got longer and longer and longer. And eventually I ended up with a full-time position. So I stayed working for this American, like, women's lifestyle startup for four years learn all of my skills about online very much self-taught in the beginning um and just really got involved in everything i could and during that time i remember this it was when nike launched the nike training club app and they had um a female singer come on board to kind of front a load of the content for um for them she was from she was from a brand called the noisettes don't oh, remember yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, the PR at the time was like, look, we're doing this content with Nike Training Club. Um, we need a digital journalist to come along and do some live tweets. And I think because at the time there wasn't that many digital journalists who were A, into kind of health um, and B, were mad enough to take up the challenge of cycling from London to Brighton, but getting fit for it in three weeks, basically. Wow. Um, so they came to me. And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll do that. So off I went. And during that journey of the three weeks, I got to train with a lot of the Nike trainers. And I just kind of really realized how much I loved health and fitness um, when I wasn't actually being sick in my mouth because it was the <laughs> hardest training. Wow. And so, yeah, and so I did that and I did this challenge. And then I realized that actually my my love of health and fitness could actually become part of my career. And whilst I really did enjoy my job at the time, I didn't overly enjoy um all the fashion shows or that kind of side of my role I loved creating content I loved online audiences but I wasn't so passionate about the content that I was working on and so it just kind of got me thinking and I then went into another job after that and I was there for about a year and then suddenly I saw the role at Women's Health advertised and um, I remember being I remember applying for it and getting an email saying it actually closed the job application closed a week ago but we're just about to go in through into second rounds and we will um, we will take a look at your application. And so when I got that email, I was kind of like a little bit bummed. So being the geek that I am, I decided to put a whole presentation together. I love this. <laughs> I love this. This is so great. Because I realized I was like, I really actually really do want to be put forward for that job. So I put this presentation together and then I emailed it, like, emailed it across again. And I said, I know you're already going to look at my presentation, but this is what I would do with the brand. And this is where I would take it. And, and exactly if I was given this opportunity, um, how I would kind of like play it out. And so I think that's what got me an interview. And I went in and um, I remember taking in my laptop and I had an interview with four people. And then I went back again and I had another interview. And then lo and behold, I managed to get the job. Yes. Um, and part of that was actually, part of what I was doing was, um, in that kind of interview process, I put together like a lot of the people that I would work with and the faces and all that type of stuff. And I, I don't know, I think because I went above and beyond, it kind of, it, it was it, it was different and it, it just, yeah, it, it all happened. And that's where, yeah, that's where I am today. So much of what you just said, Amy, I just have so much respect for you. And I think listening to that, 
you know, right from when you said, you know, what you did about your dissertation. So at the time, you know, you were ahead of the curve, you know, like you said, now everyone's, you know, doing dissertations probably on social media, but 11 years ago, Facebook, you know, it wasn't what it is now. And I think people didn't take it as seriously. They didn't, you know, especially big, you know, kind of corporate giants and media outlets did not, they were like, oh yeah, you know, social media, whatever it's, you know, it's a millennial thing, it's teenagers. And they didn't actually, I don't think anyone could have, you know, no one could have foreseen what was, what was to come. But I think the fact that you, I guess had the, you stood your ground. You didn't kind of, you know, and you said your um, tutors might've been like, okay, well, no, whatever, but you really, you know, you stuck to that. So that, you know, stood you apart. Then obviously, you know, grafting, getting work experience, working hard. And then I really love, you know, the fact that when you found out about the the job interview and you're like, oh, you've missed the boat. A lot of people would have gone, oh, well, never mind. I'll just look for something else. But as you said, you went above and beyond. And I think that is the difference. So often people don't know that you know I didn't know that about you lots of people don't know people's journeys they just see the kind of either the end product or they see you know them doing an incredible job and they go wow like good for her you know but they don't always know you know that they might have had failures they might have had rejections you know when people talk about you know that at their book launch everyone's like wow but they might have had that book turned down by 15 different you know publishing houses before they got the deal so yeah I really really love that you shared that thank you and good for you and I guess you know since then you've gone from strength to strength and you really did deliver on what you said you could do because you know like I said you know people weren't expecting social to grow in the way that it has and I think that women's health well in my in my opinion was one of the first to really embrace, you know, working with bloggers and, you know, doing more online content and making that kind of Instagram community. So do you think that that has been, I guess, contributed to the success and the popularity of the magazine? Yeah, 100%. I think think any media brand has to be really aware of the trends which are developing which are almost driven by consumer behavior so you have to really know what your audience is into and if your audience is really into taking inspiration and advice from social media stars then actually as a brand because as a brand you're very outward thinking and I think that's why you're different to a social media influencer so a social media influencer creates content about themselves genuinely a brand kind of looks at what's going on in the world and creates content about the rest of the world, which social media influencers are part of. And so if you don't embrace that new world, then you almost get left behind because actually your audience is engaging with them and looking to them. And I think that actually fitness influencers really changed the landscape and they and they made fitness a lot cooler, (laughs) if you like, Um, and put it kind of on the agenda. Whereas before like fashion owned the agenda in the media world and the rise of like fitness influencers and health influencers kind of changed that. And so now we do have very much like, you see wellness written written about as much as you close, if you like, and big fashion media companies launching wellness channels or fitness channels. And actually, so yeah, it did change. And I think it has really helped us with some of our most successful pieces of content have been with really brilliant PTs who have a great fitness influence and massive, massive numbers. Um, but likewise, we also have content which performs b- without that as well. So I think it's just understanding what people are into. And and as you said, some people, I think, you know, if they're not so keen or they don't kind of want to embrace, you know, the social media change, then you like you said, I do think they'll get left behind because I think, you know, there's always, going to be you know pros and cons to anything but I think you can't deny 
social behavior you can't deny that people's attention is online if you look around just on the train people are on their phone they're not necessarily carrying you know a magazine they're not always watching a tv advert or even a billboard advert because they're on their phone and they're plugged in they might even have you know headphones on and they're listening to a wonderful podcast Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know i think that's the truth and the reality of like social behavior is and their attention is there so if you want to be in front of them and get the eyeballs then you need to be there as well yeah and i think and it's understanding kind of how we all use different types of media so i think one of the big things years ago was like um and you probably saw this on a lot of websites was you would see the same content which was in print on a website Mm -hmm. And actually that isn't how we consume websites. We consume websites very differently to how we consume a magazine and we consume social media differently to how we consume a website. Yep. Um, and so it's very much understanding what people want on each platform. And I also, but I think that's why podcasts are so interesting and so successful at the moment, because actually with a podcast, you can consume information hands-free mm-hmm. whilst walking down the street. And as we well know, like, so many of us have tried to consume information on our phones and like tried walked into people or walked into a lamppost (laughs) I've actually walked into a lamppost and so that's not possible but the whole podcast world lets you still take in content all of the time whilst getting on with the rest of your kind of life yeah um and so I think as an editor like you have to understand that kind of consumer behavior and know what people want when Mm. and then really fit your content to it yeah um and so when people say to me is there you know do you think magazines will be around? How long do you think magazines will be around for? I think they'll still be around because a magazine provides a different experience to what an Instagram post provides. Mm-hmm. And it's just being aware of that and making sure that you produce the best content possible for each platform. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. And I think with the magazine thing, I, you know, looking at my own behavior, I used to buy so many magazines. So when I was a student, when I was maybe at 1920, I used to, I think the majority of my money went on food and magazines. I bought every magazine and, you know, everything from Grazia, L, Vogue, Women's Health, everything. I loved magazines because that for me at the time was where I got yeah media and inspiration and creative and visual I loved it and I think over the years you know I I bought less and less and less um because of you know digital and and Instagram and all these kind of things but now as well you're right in what you said about they're both different because I will still buy a magazine and I think I was getting a flight last week and I bought two magazines and I remember thinking I know I can go online and find maybe some of these articles or some of these things like sometimes you know what I mean you're like am I buying this magazine I could probably go onto website or go onto Twitter and find an article link but I was like it's nice, as you said, to kind of have the physical copy, to sit on the plane, to read the magazine. And yeah, that's something that I think I definitely do a lot less of, but I still do. And then when you do it, you want you want a good experience, right? You want a really rich experience from the content that's produced. And I do think magazines provide something which actually digital can't in a lot of ways. Um, there is some brilliant investigative, investigative, I can never say that word, <laughs> investigative fe- uh, features that go into women's health that take hours, days to produce and you can't particularly do that online because of the nature of it and the speed of it and also people consume differently. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting world we live in at the moment. Yeah, it is. And I guess whilst we're on that of you know topic of magazines, I mean, you must have, have seen this and I know that I've definitely seen this both you know in the real world and online is that I guess health magazines fashion magazines you know lots of media at the moment is coming under scrutiny and there's kind of a bit of a you know bad press about I guess still the lack of diversity within the fitness and the wellness space and I guess just to be clear you know when I say diversity I mean 
I mean, you know, body shapes, body sizes, age, skin color, all of those things. And I think as well with with a lot of magazines that get criticized for maybe having contradictory, you know, headlines and, you know, like I said, lacking in in diversity of cover stars. So, but I know that, you know, Women's Health is currently the number one fitness magazine in, in the fitness and wellness space. So they must be doing something right, even though, you know, as I said, there's this kind of backlash against it. So... What do you think, Amy? Why do you think that the fitness and the wellness space still lacks diversity? Because I personally think that other industries, whether it's beauty, fashion, are slowly, you know, making changes. But fitness and wellness just still seems to be kind of slower to embrace diversity. Would you agree? So I think I think there is a, a bit of a problem, um, but I don't think it's just in fitness and wellness. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to sometimes of us viewing uh piece of content on Instagram because it's the highest engaged and thinking that is a whole that is the snapshot of the whole industry Mm -hmm. um because actually we are all victims to algorithms right so the content with the most likes the most engagements is what we now see Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of content out there and there is a lot of other people out there they're just maybe not getting the same sort of engagement um I think that (sighs) It's one of those industries which is rapidly growing and actually if we can celebrate more people within it um, that we will see that it isn't there is diversity in it but we just need to make sure we celebrate it at women's health we've um, done so much work on making sure that actually all of the women which we feature um, and we work with are from a very diverse background so for instance like last year when we did our naked shoot we used all athletes. Mm-hmm. That is not one body type. Mm. That is not one age. Yeah. That is not one skin color. It was it was a brilliant, brilliant mix of women. Um, and it's like, we've had cover stars from Maya Jammer on the cover. And then you've got white blonde Alice Living. Like there is, there is a big, there is a big range and we are very diverse, but unfortunately sometimes it comes down to people just seeing one image and thinking that that is your whole brand. Yeah, and I think that is the the issue. I think it is, as you said, visibility, because I think that's, you know, even in physical spaces, I experience it, you know, obviously I'm mixed race, I'm, you know, in my 30s, but it's it's like going to fitness and wellness events even, you know, within London, you don't see that many women of colour, you don't see that many, and it's like, I don't know what's, I don't know what the disconnect is, whether they feel like, the space isn't inclusive for them or whether that it's not advertised to them or they're not seeing it. But as you said, there's some, I don't know, I think there's some disconnect somewhere because I go to these things. I look around, I see that, you know what I mean? There's not black women there. There's not necessarily women of um, plus size women there or older women there. It's kind of like fitness and health and wellness sometimes get packaged up. And I don't mean, you know, by the magazine, I just mean in general as a like shiny, young, slim, sexy thing. You know what I mean? And that can be very off-putting, I think, to, to, to other people. I do know what you mean. Um, I think when it comes down to kind of the visibility of health and wellness on social media, actually the people that are making it their careers are kind of all in their 20s. So you're not really getting the, the older woman becoming the kind of the fitness influencer, if you like, because probably she can't. She's already got a job. Whereas actually at the moment, I would say that a lot of our industry or what we think is the industry is represented by 10 to 15 fitness bloggers on Instagram who are all quite the same. Mm. Um, 
but that's not to say that the whole industry is like that. Like, so, you know, I think when you look beyond social media, you realize that there is, there is more diversity. Like my nan's 76 and still a yoga teacher. Mm. Like, Which is, your, your nan's amazing. Your <laughs> nan like, is incredible. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. out there doing it. Yeah. My mum's 50, 50 odd, whatever, lives in Swindon. She's a yoga teacher, but actually it's just these people aren't on social media with big social media profiles. Yeah, or as I said, they're not visible. I think yeah. we, we, we have to kind of shine a light on people who, yeah, it's not to say that, you know, if you're young and slim and you enjoy fitness and exercise, it's not that. But I think, as I said, when I go to these physical spaces like the fitness events, like the wellness talks, this and the other, yeah, I just, I look around and I'm just like, where are all the other women? Because that's the thing, isn't it? Fitness and health and living a healthy lifestyle or being active it's not even just women, it's everyone. It's kids, it's men, it's old, it's young, it's, it's everyone. So then I'm just frustrated when I don't see everyone in those places, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I guess we've got to do more. And I think also leading by example, I think those people perhaps, you know, not to say that your nan, you know, she might not um, start an Instagram account. Does she, she have Instagram? She's actually you just see? started this week. You see, I love that. We need to follow her. So she's on Instagram as the ageless yogi. You see, I love that. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, do, I, I think it's it's not a problem that can be fixed overnight. I think there's I think there's so many things which we need to work on, um, and I think we need to make sure that you know there is enough opportunity for people to become skilled in health and fitness and start careers. Like I'm really really impressed by the Nike project which is running at the moment where they are training up fifteen kind of kids. They're like I think they're under twenty in Croydon. And basically, they had to they had to apply to be put on this PT course, um, and they were they were people that maybe didn't have as much opportunity as the rest of us in in life at the moment, and so they are now schooling this kind of like next generation who are kind of a bit disadvantaged and giving them health and fitness skills so they can go out and be PTs, and I think it's projects like that yeah. we need. Yeah, definitely, definitely, we need more of that. 
And then I fell out of love with running. Um, kind of as I got my job at Women's Health and the boutique fitness market was taking off and I was at studios all the time. Um, and I don't know, running just didn't feel as cool for some reason. Whereas I was going to these like really slick studios and having these great workouts. And so I kind of, I kind of like just stopped doing it. Like wasn't that interested. And then suddenly everyone around me was running in the office. And because everyone around me was running and they were like, oh, what's your marathon time? What's your half marathon time? It made me kind of fear running. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say the opposite. I thought you were no. going to say you got running FOMO from everybody running. No, I was just like, well, I'm not going to start running again now because I'm going to be so slow in comparison to everyone. And so I kind of, for years, I was like, not into it, can't be bothered with running. But actually, I suppose it was kind of just me not wanting to admit the fact that I hadn't been running. I was going to be a lot slower than everyone. Probably a bit of an ego thing. Anyway, and then I got asked to do the marathon. And so I had to start running, but I got asked to do the marathon to run for this project, which was all about just finishing. And it was a group called the Finish Liners. And so I got into running then. And then when I started running again this time around, and there was no the pressure of time's been taking away. I didn't have to compete with anyone. I just really connected with it. And it was realized that it was like the time in my day when I sorted so much stuff out in my head. Um, because when you are in a workout where there are like nightclub lights <laughs> and sound, yeah. like you have, you can't think about anything else because you're just like, I have to get through this workout. I am feel like I'm going to die. But for some reason, like, I didn't really think about the fact that then when you go running, you don't have that and you're outside and there was just like, like a moment of clarity. And so I realized actually how good I felt running. I didn't feel like I was abusing myself. <laughs> yeah, it's not another stress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so I just kind of got into it. And then last year, a few difficult things happened and um, sadly lost uh, um, somebody I used to work with and that type of stuff and there was just these like kind of like I suppose mental obstacles and running for me just helped me deal with all of that and helped me just deal with work stress and everything and so I kind of got back into it and I realized that actually you don't have to be the fastest runner out there and um, running looks different for everyone um, and it was the thing that made me feel good so I got into it yeah. I've stayed running right now though um <laughs> I'm finding it quite tough because I'm three weeks out of a marathon and, you know, mileage. Yeah. It's like... It's long, it's a yeah. big commitment, yeah. Um, and like, I really, really don't want to run for three hours this weekend. Yeah. Like, I really wanted to go out for dinner with my friend tonight and have a few drinks in Soho. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Because I'm getting up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's kind of like mm. swings and roundabouts. But yeah, I've sorted a lot of shit out on runs. Yeah, Excuse I mean, my swearing. no, exactly. No, I know exactly what you mean because, you know, as we just, you know, there's a lot of things again then what you're talking about. So I found it really interesting that, you know, you said when you were in that environment where people around you were all running and, you know, you said talking about times and what times this and that, that actually put you off. And I think that is the case for so many people. And it is such a shame because running doesn't have to be like that. Running doesn't have to be, you know, like the kind of elite, you know, running vest club kind of vibe. It can literally be your way, your speed, whenever you want, however you want. And, you know, I, somebody asked me on Instagram recently, she was like, oh, you know, I only run for a couple of minutes and then I have to walk. And I was like, so that's yeah. fine. I said, run for a couple of minutes and then walk, run for a couple more minutes, then walk. There's no rule that says well, you're not running properly or you're not running correctly or you're not running enough or that is what I love about it. And it's a shame that it can put people off. Um, but it's obviously great that you, you know, you got back out there, you figured that, you know, you found your own way with it. And I know exactly what you mean about the headspace thing, because as we're all, you know, 
if we've got busy lives and you know you know we might be in stressful environments we might have work stress or you know just the speed and the pace of life i think when i go out for my run it is almost like my meditation it's my yeah. time off you know i don't have sometimes i run completely tech free no headphones no watch I know where I live. I'm not going to get lost. You know, I just like run and actually look and listen. So I'll listen to, you know, even silly things like if the ground is wet or if it's dry, if it's crispy, if there's, I literally just run. And I think even for me, doing that has been so freeing to not run and look at my watch and look at the pace. And like you said, when you're training for a race, it's very different because you have to kind of hit these things. But um, yeah, oh gosh, I could talk about running all day. And you also have um, a podcast, which is all about running well far. So tell us about that. So that came off the back of my running experience last year and um, me sharing my journey on social media and just actually having so many women going, oh my God, I'm glad you're finding this tough too. And yes, Aunt Jail's gross. And my God, you know, 20 miles, what should you do about that? And so I was having these really great conversations um, in my Instagram DMs. And then this year when it came to kind of creating a podcast, I thought, you know what? I really want to create something which can be really useful to women and be almost a bit like a training buddy. Um, so that's where Welfare came from. Um, we've produced, we will have produced 14 episodes and they all kind of, it's split into three sections. So there's an update from me each week, kind of how my training's going or something cool, which I might've found out about or experienced that other people can do too. And then a bit, which is the useful bit, mm -hmm. which is like how to deal with shin splints or what to eat after a run with really great experts. And then I go on a run with somebody and we just have a chat whilst mm -hmm. running. Um, and so, yeah, it's been fantastic and amazing support from everyone. So I'm so grateful. Yeah, no, it's cool. I'm looking forward to running with you yes, later on you today. you are running. Yeah, we're going to be recording well far. So look out for that. And I guess as well, something I wanted to talk to you about is scheduling and how you fit it all in because as you just said you know training for a marathon is a huge commitment and lots of people will say to me you know they want to exercise more or they want to work out or they want to do this but they don't have time i've got a job adrian you know i've got kids i've got this i've got that and you have a full-time job and you train for these things and you do your podcast and you do all these other things and you're newly wed so you have to make time to probably sometimes hang out with your husband yeah. <laughs> sometimes so yeah how do you manage it I mean, I think I'm still figuring it out a lot of the time. Um, I think in the past, I just juggled everything all at the same time, right? And I still think about the fact that, and this is maybe a bit TMI, but about the fact that I used to be on the loo, like doing emails or doing Instagram or looking up a marathon plan or like, I was forever on my phone before jumping in the shower or whatever. And I was never kind of really doing one thing. Okay. And so this year, well, in the past year, actually, I've made this real conscious effort to try and like put my kind of like tasks into buckets and to deal with one thing at each time. So when it comes to like the marathon training plan, I'm like, right, within my week, I need to find five hours. Mm -hmm. And I literally go into my iCal and I block them out. Um, and then I do the same with my job. Um, I'm like, this is, this is my work day. Um, and then... I just try and make sure I stick to that because otherwise I think you just constantly start stuff. You never really finish it and there's too much going on in your brain. Like I think it's absolutely fine to be busy, right? People keep saying there's so many negatives to be busy and obviously there is, but actually I think it's fine to be busy if you manage your busyness and you're like, if I'm busy for eight hours out of the day, but I've got two hours chill time as well, mm -hmm. then it's fine. So you've just got to allow yourself the kind of the time off. So 
So yeah, I think it's understanding what you need to do to manage a busy schedule. Like, so for me now, I realize that I need to have all of these buckets of things that I need to do, but then I also need some chill out time. So I, I've never sat down on the sofa so much until I got married. Yes. <laughs> so my husband is completely the opposite to me. Like he, he definitely rests more than he moves. Okay. Whereas I definitely moved more than I rested. But now though, we've sort of met in the middle and he's um, he's helped me see that you really do need those kind of relaxing times. And that's what made me realize that actually you can be totally busy. You can juggle enough, like a lot of things. Um, we're, humans are really resilient, but you need to make sure that you do have switch off time. Mm, yeah, yeah, I like that. And I think, you know, having separate time, as you said. So otherwise for me, what I found is sometimes things can just bleed into one another. Yeah. Whereas if you have, like you just said about putting your tasks into, okay, this is work time. I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to focus on that. And then when I'm not working, when I'm completely switched off from it, there's no kind of like, I guess, guilt or thinking like, oh, I should be checking this email or I should be checking my phone or I should be. It's like, no, 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 this is separate time. This is family time or this is, you know, chill time, whatever. Because you must have the same thing or like you'll be, you know, you'll be with Jude or you'll be with your partner and then you'll be having a conversation and then suddenly if you if you haven't dealt with all your emails or you don't have a certain amount of time when you're going to do that, suddenly your brain mm -hmm. is like on your phone. Yeah, and even and if you're not physically on it, like you said, it comes up in your yeah. mind, yeah. And then, you're, and then you're disconnected from your actual situation Situation to be connected to your virtual life and actually who's the people that are actually losing out are the people out in your real life do you know mm. what I mean so yeah for sure exactly I think eliminating distractions is is important and I, I've spoken about that very briefly before of like how I kind of manage that but yeah it's interesting um and I know that you've also done I heard you saying about when you run to meet Ted at like um a restaurant or like after your your run so that must be nice too so then you you have an you have an end point right and he meets you there well so yeah so we do do that or this year what I've been doing is I've been picking him up so I'll go out and I'll run whatever mileage and obviously it's been getting longer every week and then I will pick him up from my house and he'll run like the last three four five miles with me but I mean, I do have to bribe him. <laughs> so, and the bribery is the fact that we end somewhere yeah. nice for treats. Um, and so, yeah, so we generally end a run and then he'll be shoving his face like a- Go for a pub lunch. Yeah, yeah. pub lunch or sausage roll or something or other. Um, but again, it was about that thing of like marathon training. It can, it's really selfish when you have um, other people in your life. And I do think it's great. And I do think actually being selfish helps you achieve things, but you actually do have to recognize that um, or at least have conversations around it. So last year when I did it, I definitely like ruled the roost with my marathon training. So I'd be like, I can't do this that night because I've got to get up early tomorrow to do miles or, you know, I would set the alarm and wake him up on a Sunday morning whilst I was going out to do a run. And every, I don't know, I felt like my weekends evolved around marathon training, which meant our weekends evolved around marathon training. And so this year I was like, God, that's, you know, I've got to make a conscious effort to make this fair. Like he hasn't signed up for the marathon. Yeah. And yep. whilst he's very supportive, um, I need to make sure that this is kind of a joint thing. And so, yeah, so that's why we tried to, I've tried to make it more of like a, right, I'm going to go out and run, I'll pick you up and then I'll buy you treats. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm sure so many people can relate to that what you just said because you know you kind of feel like once you finish you know you cross the line and you're like it's almost like it's like a team effort for everyone yeah. you know I felt that with with Rob and Jude it's like once it was finished it was almost like you said you get a bit of your time and freedom back to be like oh the marathon's done it's like what did we used to do at weekends before before this and took like, over 
our lives. And when I'm like, what? I'm, then you suddenly are like, how much have I been moaning about like my toenails falling off or blisters or what pasta I'm going to eat tonight? Or yeah, whatever. Everyone's, everyone's <laughs> having pasta for dinner because I'm training. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think everyone can relate to that if they've ever trained for a, for a marathon before. So let's talk about the Power Hour because this is the Power Hour podcast. And I don't know how much you know about my morning power hour do you know much about it so well <laughs> i feel like i could tell you all about your power hour just from me stalking you on social media although... okay but, so you know that i get up early then i know that you get up at five mm, yeah well five between five and five thirty yeah okay and you have this hour yeah. which is your hour in the day correct me if i'm wrong here but it's your hour in the day to get stuff done before everyone else in your house wakes up gold star she's nailed it yes got it yeah and no it's... the only reason i ask is because obviously everyone's is different and i think i can't assume that i'm like you know power hour people are like what's that so I'd love to know, do you have a power hour or, you know, what time do you wake up in the morning and what's the first hour of your day like? So I didn't used to have a power hour. Um, years ago, my I used to think that morning workouts were the best thing that I could do to fit everything into my day. But what I re- quickly realized was I was getting up, I was rushing to a studio for 7 a.m., and then, my, like you said before, everything was bleeding into each other. Um, and then there was always this stuff on my mind, which I wasn't really getting done. And so I kind of quit morning workouts for a while. Mm-hmm. And actually, I still don't overly do them now, just because I like to be at home and I like to get like life admin done or extra stuff because I do have a full-time job and then I've got a few side hustles on the go. So mm-hmm. I do need it. So I generally get up about 6 a.m. Um, and then I go straight downstairs and I make a hot water and lemon um and that starts my day and then I go back upstairs and we've got like a spare room which we use as like an office slash washing slash crap room (laughs) (laughs) um but I have a yoga mat there and so at the moment my priorities to get uh my priorities daily priorities include doing some kind of prehab stuff for running so what I do is I have my hot water and lemon and I do my prehab and then I sit at my computer and I deal with anything which is in my like personal Gmail, which I need to deal with. So it's kind of about 20 minutes of emails. And then then my day begins um, and I go downstairs and I make, I make a smoothie or I make food and then I leave. And actually, I don't actually start in the office until 10 o'clock most days. Mm-hmm. Um, I work around 10 till six at Women's Health. But what I do is I leave early because for me, my power hour space is like power three hours so I like get stuff done then I leave my house and then I have about a 45 minute walk so I get the train to Blackfriars which is a 45 minute walk from from work and I could go closer but actually I need that time I need that buffer between waking up doing stuff and then getting to the office just to kind of like have a bit of headspace and be outside and so I walk with the podcast on and then I arrive at the office and then the day begins properly. I love that though, because you know, you know, saying that you start at 10, some people would probably think, well, I can get up at eight, I can get up at half eight, but you know, you're still getting up at six. And so, you know, and I guess it must be difficult as well when you have, like you said, a full-time job and then side hustles, and especially if they're quite similar, I'm sure they're very supportive, but I know people who've said to me, oh, if I'm at work, you know, I want to quickly just write this blog post or just, you know, do these emails. And if it's your own personal stuff, you can't really be doing that at your desk. So I guess, you know, giving yourself that early morning time it's probably when you've got the best you know creative ideas energy you know instead of leaving it all till after work which I guess could also be an option right to stay up late on your computer yeah but I've so I used to be really bad at coming home from work and sitting on the sofa and like being on my laptop but actually I don't know for me it doesn't work 
Like for me, I need to leave and I need to like mentally switch off from like 7 p.m. Unless there's something big that's going on, but I just need to come home, have dinner, watch something and just kind of have a bit of like normal time. Like I feel for so, for so long, it was like you had to be doing stuff to be successful or like that's the kind of mentality which we created. Whereas actually it's that time of relaxing and not doing anything and being a bit like mindlessly watching telly, which helps me really perform in my day job. Cause I just don't think you can be always on, 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 on. Um, and so for me, I like to kind of stick to the same wake up and go to bed routine unless I'm doing something fun what time do you go to bed uh, I'm a bit boring I get into bed at around 10 to 10 10 o'clock and then I read on my kindle and then I'm normally ready to go to sleep at quarter past 10 which means that I can get up at like six quarter past six and it not feel like I've been like smashed around the head with a baseball bat yeah, yeah. well that's why I ask because so many people when they say about you know or when they hear about my power hour they're like oh my goodness what time do you go to bed because most people don't go to bed until I've found this for doing this a lot of people say to me they don't go to bed until about midnight every night yeah, so if you're going to bed at midnight every single night, then of course I'm not going to promote that you get up at half five because yeah. you need sleep. So I think, yeah, I think going to bed, you know, at 10 or before is like a game changer. It really is. Yeah, because I mean, like before you were kind of like, I don't know, years ago, you're at the mercy of the TV channels. So if you wanted to watch something, you had to be awake to watch it at that time. Yeah. Whereas now you can just binge watch whatever you want, it's whenever you want. It is dangerous. <laughs> but like for me... I can get in and I can watch something, I don't know, what, like eight till half past nine or whatever, which is on telly at 10 o'clock the night before. And, you know, you just do everything on your own time kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. I am very bad at being on my phone though in the evenings. Right. I've been through times when I've been really good at it. And like, I've put it on night shift mode and I've done everything which we write about in women's health. And then I just slip out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, you practice what you preach for a while and then you, the habits. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's difficult and it's so tempting. And that's the thing about habits is that they are habits you yeah. know, for a reason because you don't, you don't consciously probably think, oh, it's quarter to 10, let me go on Instagram. It's just a habit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do need to get better at that. But hey, we, I mean, you're doing a lot of, I mean, even the fact, you know, when you said about walking, I didn't know that you walked for 45 minutes to work every day. And that's awesome. You know, I think that having been able to walk on your commute, if you can walk on any part of your commute, I really do think that also changes, you know, your mood, it changes. You get to really observe like the seasons and actually the daylight. Is it light? Is it dark? Is it cold? Is it sunny? And I know that sounds, I don't know, but observing the seasons we're supposed to, as humans, we're supposed to experience that. You know how the whole nature therapy and people are like, we should be in nature but we're always indoors just walking every day is so so good for you physically and mentally yeah it's like when i so going back a couple of years ago when i like stopped doing morning workouts and i realized that rushing to these workouts was just adding to my daily stress um and actually was a bit like counterproductive because i was just kind of like my moods were just crashing all the time and I don't know, I just wasn't in a very good place and had a really bad panic attack. And I was like, I can't go into a studio right now. And so then walking, walking became just part of my thing. And like, it made me really realize that actually you don't have to be in gym kit to burn calories. Mm. Movement's movement. Yep. Um, 
and yeah and so I just it just became part of my thing and I'd put on like a parker in the winter mm-hmm. and you know I'd have a I'd have a hot drink and I, so I've, yeah I've walked through all seasons and yeah. it's just it's nice and- yeah it's so nice yeah I walked you to school and my husband walks with yeah walking as you said is and often people don't think it's exercise like I've said to clients before that I want them to walk every day even if it's just 20 minutes and they don't think that it's exercise but as you said movement is movement you know there's a reason that everyone's talking about counting steps because walking is yeah really really cool way fantastic way to get active so can you give us a power hour challenge so for people listening if they want to try something this week i mean there's so many things there i'm not gonna suggest one what could we try this week so this is a really simple one but it's the thing that's made the biggest difference to my days and i suppose i suppose my life in a way is taking a moment to breathe so i very very much used to react to situations as opposed to respond to them because I felt like I was so busy and I didn't have any headspace and so whenever something came up I'd just fire off a response and whether that was firing off an email or firing off an Instagram comment or firing off just to somebody at the office if they asked me a question and so suddenly I realized that I wasn't kind of responding to stuff and so now what I do is and people think I'm bonkers but I stand there and sometimes I put my hands over my eyes like the little monkey emoji and I, t- and I take 10 breaths mm-hmm. and I just have this kind of, I basically put this moment between the situation that's going on and then have a pause, helps me collect myself. And then I can decide what I want to do because I sent so many emails in the past and I think, God, I really wish I hadn't sent that or I really wish I'd, I'd written that in a different way or that type of thing. And it's just because when you're like under pressure, you 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 react differently. And so... I do that a lot now. And so I do it at my desk. Um, I do it in really stressful situations where like people, when you're traveling and commuting and it can be very frustrating and suddenly you're at the mercy of everyone else's bad moods. Um, and I just stand there and I close my eyes and I take a deep breath. And then I'm like, Phew. and a lot of the time things just then wash over me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, taking a breath to think about how you want to respond rather than react hot-headedly I think is a good one yes yes that's a great one to try and yeah as you said being responsive and not being reactive I love that so before I ask you my closing question can you tell us all if everyone who is enjoying this episode and they want to hear more from you which I'm sure they will where can they find you online in real life so you can find me i suppose let's go with instagram first because that's where everyone seems to go um so i am wellness underscore ed on instagram um you can also find me on women's health uk i am going to be at women's health live this year which is the third to the fifth of may which you're joining me too i shall see you then um that is our big wellness festival so i'll be there for three days um yeah that is me yeah and the podcast oh and the podcast oh yeah guys yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you're a runner well far if you're a runner yeah even if you're not um please do listen in there is lots of fun and geeky running things on there yeah awesome (laughs) thank you and so my closing question which i ask to every single guest because you know that i value time you know we talk about what time do you get up we talk about how to utilize your time and living you know your life to the full with a sense of urgency so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you (laughs) no pressure no pressure Ah, she's staring at me no Um, (laughs) come on what has time taught me i think time's taught me that things are constantly changing and so and actually to get the most out of life you've just got to be okay with change 
and like what you what you did and what you achieved in your 20s is going to be different to what you do in your 30s and it's going to look different and that is okay because you have changed and you have grown as a person and so one of the things I think about now or I'd, I'd actually I don't think about it from a negative way but for instance like I am never going to be at far as fast at a 5k right now as I was when I was 25 um, and I had no other life responsibilities I was 10 years younger and all the only thing I had to do was get fast right like now I've got so many other things that are going on from like my job to just kind of being a wife running a house like all those kind of things and so life is different and it is okay um because you just achieve things at at different ages and it looks different and just to be okay with that yeah I love that I love that because I love change and I love transformation if anything I'm obsessed with change and transformation I am I just think that it's exciting to think about you know potential for change and that you never have to stay the same and as you said about time it's always going to change and you can change with it and oh I love that that was brilliant thank you thanks and thanks so much everyone for listening i really hope that you enjoyed this episode with amy if you did please let us know and share it with anybody else that you think might want to hear her message and yeah make sure that you rate and review us over on itunes you can get in touch on social as always thank you so much for listening i really appreciate your time see ya thanks very much bye bye Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.